After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, you got the power play. Get out of here. Hey. 36, right here for the rock. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Hey, hey. We're not doing this. I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Huh? Nothing good's coming out of this, big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something point something. He's not putting a stick in you. You keep your stick out of him. Here we go. Let's roll, boys. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. When you're ready, big guy. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. Each day... I go online and I look at the standings and it seems there's another team with an X beside their name that has confirmed their participation in the NHL playoffs. However, Josh, Team Stripes is still working hard to make the cut on the postseason. I mean, these guys want a chance at the cup, too. They absolutely do. And five of them will have uh, five referees, four linesmen that will make the Stanley Cup final and a whole bunch more that will be making the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they don't get that handy little X next to their names. But uh, I think, Todd, somewhere deep in the NHL offices, there are some officials who already have that little X penciled in next to their names. I think we can plan on Wes McCauley making the cut. We can plan on Kelly Sutherland making the cut. And there, there are a whole bunch more that I think we can expect to see in the playoffs. I just wish we could see that little X of who qualified, and who's on the bubble. They do get rated after every game, and it does count towards who makes it into the postseason and who doesn't. This and other topics of discussion on this week's edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you follow the social channels. Follow Josh at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, cross-check to the chops gets a game. Net off, but a good goal. Lalonde, let's fly. Hey, can we speed this up? And it's the return of the ref cam. I was very happy to see this, Josh. Always happy to see the ref cam. It's so cool. And each game is different. Each situation is different. I mean, with the the one we've got now is a look at college hockey, which even the game's a little bit different. So it's always fascinating to see things from ice level. Love it. It's it's St. Cloud State and North Dakota referee Sterling Egan strapped on the ref cam. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on the Scouting the Refs website. Log on. It is worth the four and a half minutes or so to watch and see the great insight that this provides. In fact, I'd go as far to say, Josh, if we could get rid of a lot of other... I don't know, what do you want to call them? Gimmicks or other items that TV uses to cover games like the puck streak, the the cheesy low-level camera with natural sound and no announcers. Just give us a dose of the ref cam for each game. I, I know it can't necessarily go live because everything's got to be filtered and approved by the league, but Maybe after each period, do those little cut-together video highlights like they do when they mic up players. How would the referees feel about it this way, do you think? You know, it's hard to say. I think for some of them, I think they'd like it because it gives perspective on what things are like for them out there. You're seeing what they're seeing. You're hearing some of the discussions and the interactions they're having with players. So as fans, we can see that the penalty calls aren't happening in a vacuum. They're happening when an official is setting expectations for where the line is, or he's warning players on what's happening. And if they do this again, we're going to call a penalty. So sometimes that puts a little more context around the calls we're seeing. And the other bonus thought is we get potentially 
the explanations. We don't always get a great explanation from the officials when they're announcing it to everybody. But I think when they're talking to the captain or they're talking to the coach, we might get a little bit more information on what happened on a specific play, why they decided to make a penalty. And I'd love to hear that type of thing on a regular ongoing basis. I think it would really help to grow the game because it puts those explanations. It puts the dialogue between coach or captain and ref out there in front of everybody. So I think that peek behind the curtain is really valuable. I think you're spot on. Show it at intermission. Show it at the end of the game. Put it online even to give us a peek mm-hmm. afterwards so that we can understand. You know what? This was the coach's challenge. This was the explanation. Here was the exchange that happened between them. Give us even the officials and the situation room and let us hear what's happening in those conversations just once maybe or just. I, I was just going to think of that. Wouldn't that be spectacular if you had the, some of the conversation between the NHL officials as they're watching it uh, in real time on their iPads and in conversation with the situation room? Again, this doesn't have to happen in real time live. It could be something that that airs the next day, may set up a YouTube channel or, or, or whatever to put this on to help fans with a greater understanding. This is what we're looking for to to help grow the game, as you mentioned. And in this instance, we'll shout out to Brad Meyer as well in TNT television coverage, who made his debut appearance as a rules analyst this past week. This is a good step. Yeah, nice to see Meyer working the game and another rules analyst appearing on television. So always a benefit when you have somebody with that kind of knowledge, that experience, that expertise as an official internationally at the National Hockey League level, working the Olympics, all kinds of Uh, games under his belt so great to see Meyer on there and as much as we love Dave Jackson and Dave is doing a great job on ESPN you've got the same type of qualifications with Brad Meyer who not only spent this much time but is even more closely aligned he's actually still an active NHL officiating manager so on Wednesday he's working TNT on Thursday he's the officiating supervisor keeping an eye on Kendrick Nicholson and TJ Luxmore at that Oilers Kings game so He's closer than anybody we've had on TV, and it was really phenomenal to get his take on a few things and know that, man, you want somebody who's plugged in, he's the right guy because he is still actively keeping an eye on the officials working the games. That is amazing that he's still involved with the game and providing this analysis. This is this is even better. So more of this kind of coverage, please. This is definitely something that's going to help fans get closer to the game and have a greater understanding of it. Okay. Uh, a couple of instances to get into from this past week. Connor McDavid is best known for scoring goals and his incredible skating and speed. He also delivered a textbook hit from behind this past week in the game against the LA Kings. So scored goal number 61 and also drill Mikey Anderson into the back and into the end boards. This was this was pretty clear cut. In fact, I think the referee's arm was going up before the check was complete here. <laughs> I think Anderson hadn't even hit the ice by the time TJ Luxmore's arm shot up. This one's pretty clear cut. Uh, obviously, McDavid draws his share of penalties. He's got his share of infractions against him that aren't called. But this one's a no brainer. It's a, a clear cut hit from behind into the glass and nice to uh to see him get penalized appropriately it was nothing more than a minor penalty and immediately called it right in front of Luxmore. So not much wiggle room there. But yes, even even the greatest, most talented players, even Wayne Gretzky was known to take a penalty from time to time. Yes, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this was a, it was a penalty, but nothing more. Some, of course, had the immediate outrage of, well, this is you know suspension worthy or something. I, I don't think so at all. No, this this definitely didn't rise to the level of a fine or supplemental discipline. I mean, it was clearly a penalty on the play. I wouldn't say it justified a major penalty call. It certainly doesn't need anything from player safety. Believe me, we're, we're not sticking up for McDavid here. He's not getting benefits just because of his skills. Any team, any player, this is a minor penalty and, and not much more. 
We mentioned our social channels a bit earlier at Scouting the Rest for Josh, at Todd Lewis Sports for me, and Mike Hoffman's social channel was burning up the other day because LA Kings forward Blake Lazat also received a one-game suspension for cross-checking Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets in the face. Hoffman, of course, received the lumber from A.J. Greer the week before, and Greer was given a one-game suspension. Hoffman made a good point, though, that he's received two-game suspensions for what many would suggest is not as severe an offense. I think he makes a good point. I think so. I think this was one of those situations where, to me, Todd, we look at it as a play that happens away from the puck. It's not a hockey play. There's no actual game situation here. It's two guys having an altercation or an exchange away from the play, away from the puck, sometimes at a stoppage in play. And that's something that player safety actually noted in their explanations for both situations, for the Greer suspension and the Lazat suspension, is that we have a dangerous situation that's either during a stoppage or away from the play, has no bearing on the hockey that's taking place. And that, combined with the location of the cross-check to the face, made it a very dangerous situation, resulting in a one-game suspension. To me, the away from the play, the during a stoppage, should be a multiplier that actually pumps this up a little bit more. If you have two guys in the heat of battle in front of the net, their sticks are up, they're slashing each other, you get a cross-check that goes up in the face, I find that a bit more excusable than a premeditated situation where it looks like you're going to have a fight and one guy drops his gloves and the other guy puts his stick up and cross-checks in the face. To Hoffman's point, is a more serious situation and put should potentially result in a longer suspension as a result. I mean, since there was no hockey situation here, since this was as dangerous as it was, almost a sucker punch type cross-check to the face in both situations, you look at it and think, why isn't this two or three games? There was no hockey here. This was just a chance to smash a guy in the face. So, note, not a hockey play, cross-check to the face. <laughs> no, Got it. Okay, it's, yeah. It is never a play on the puck to cross-check a guy <laughs> in the face. But at least if there's a battle for position, I could, I could, I could somewhat defend getting your sticks up and, and exchanging and going back and forth. But in both of these cases, nothing hockey about it. All right, we'll see if anything develops with this further. Once again, we had a goal awarded despite the net not being in its designed location. This occurred in the Montreal-Columbus game. Habs goalie Samuel Montembeau was ruled to have knocked the net off its mooring as Blue Jackets' Kirill Marchenko was awarded a goal. Josh, this is inevitably going to happen in the postseason, so maybe now's a good time to have a bit of refresher on how this rule works when the net comes off, but a goal still counts. Right. It depends on a few factors. First of all, being how the net was displaced. And if it was because of the actions of a defending player, including the goaltender, then we can look at whether or not the puck was being shot, already shot, or if there was an imminent scoring chance. And if so, if the puck crosses between the normal position of the goalposts, then it's a good goal. And that's exactly what we had happen on this play. We had a scoring chance. We have the net off, but the puck hits the goalpost, hits Montembeau in the back, goes over the goal line. It's clearly a goal where the puck would have gone in and followed the same exact path if the net had not been knocked off its pegs. So because it was the goaltender's own fault for knocking the net off in the first place, you can't deprive the attacking team from a scoring chance just because of that. So to me, this was pretty straightforward. I think the worst part, Todd, was the explanation. <laughs> okay, maybe that could have been a little better. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of gray area there. This was one of the situations under Rule 63-7 where the goalpost is displaced and the referee awards a goal 
when referee Brandon Schrader made the announcement, though, after talking with the Situation Room and analyzing the play and coming up with what the ruling was, he gets on the mic and says, the puck crossed the line before the net was displaced, which clearly isn't what happened. So I, I will give them an A for getting the call right, full marks for making the right call on the ice and, and the correct outcome in this situation. But uh, they, they don't get a passing grade for the goal announcement, which was <laughs> confusing, misleading, and uh, I think something... I say an, an opportunity, Todd, an opportunity for improvement and clarity, I think, right there. I think this goes to something we've discussed, I think, once or twice briefly, that this should be part of the NHL officials training camp process is go over, let's understand how to make these announcements. Again, it's transparency, it's helpful explanations to let fans both in the building and watching on television understand what the rules are, why a ruling was made. If you have that kind of clarity, you have greater understanding and it's a lot easier to watch and understand the game moving forward. Absolutely. And I think we need that clarity in the building. We need it at the time the call is made. And I think we could probably use some more clarity after the fact, too, from the league situation room with a video, at least in some situations, explaining the call or what they saw in the play so that we can understand it. Not just here's the rule of good goal, which is typically what most of the situation room explanations that come out of the league look like. But maybe a little bit more clarity, a little more of the explanation, the detail, something behind it, whether we can tap maybe the situation room or one of the officiating supervisors or the referees themselves to both make that call, provide a little more information on the ice. I mean, you can have the situation room provide the explanation for all I care, as long as somebody's getting an accurate conveyance of here's why we made the call and giving a little bit more than, yeah, there's no goaltender interference or the puck was in good goal. We need a little more. And I think a, a little more isn't asking all that much. Funny you should mention goaltender interference because that's the subject of our next game situation. It's never something that's going to be 100% agreed upon that this is, this isn't goaltender interference. There's just so many variables and it's open to interpretations. However, many were surprised when the Red Wings head coach Derek Lalonde challenged a goal by Pittsburgh Penguins forward Jeff Carter and that goal was allowed to stand. None more surprised than Lalonde himself. <laughs> Carter tipped the puck. Um, it, it looked like it was under the pad of Wings goalie Alex Nedeljkovic. Jason Zucker gives the old pickle stabber to the Wings goalie and appears to shove him across the goal line. Now, again, this is a, a two-part situation because the initial review said the puck was in the net. Okay. Red Wings then challenged for goaltender interference. And how should we put this? Um, Derek Lalonde was somewhat startled, dismayed, and shocked at that ruling and expressed his displeasure so much so that he got himself tossed out of the game? Yeah, can't blame the guy. I really... <laughs> I, <laughs> I think he was channeling the frustrations of many of the fans watching at home asking, what exactly is goaltender interference? And it, maybe not asking it in quite the same way. I think his his manner of asking was part of why he was tossed by the officials. But yeah, I, I can see where he's coming from. We had a situation where the puck is loose in the crease, but then it's under the goaltender's skate or leg pad. And you could see Zucker push with his stick trying to make a play on the puck. Now, obviously, the attacking player has the right to go after a loose puck or a rebound. So what it comes down to is whether the 
goaltender is being pushed into the net with the puck or whether this is a situation with a rebound loose puck where both the goaltender and the attacking player have an opportunity to make a play on it. And looking at it, Todd, and, and reading the rulebook and seeing what we've seen from goaltender interference reviews, I thought for sure that this was going to be no goal. It Me looked too. clear that <laughs> Zucker pushes the pad, right? You can see the goaltender's body turn. You can see he he actually turns counterclockwise, and that results in his leg going over the goal line and, and bringing the puck across the line completely. So to me, that was no goal. And I thought for sure it was going to be overturned. When it wasn't, well, obviously you, you saw what Lalonde's <laughs> reaction was. And uh, I, I would say uh, mine was a little bit more tempered, but I was equally shocked Dave Jackson, thankfully, weighed in on things a little bit for us, saying that the point of clarification here is actually where the puck is. Under his pad would have been a whistle. If it were under his pad and secured and then he were pushed in, this is a whistle. Under his skate blade is not considered covered. So in that case, hmm. we have to fall back on the rule around loose pucks in the crease where a goalkeeper and attacking players are able to play a loose puck and any incidental contact is permitted and any goal that is scored will be allowed. That's under rule 69. So if it's not covered when it's under his skate, then it means it has to be a loose puck. And that's what Jackson went on to say is that uh, he thought it was a battle for the puck where incidental contact is allowed and he would not have challenged it on the play. We would have, I thought for sure, no goal on this one, but it's that minutia. It comes down to interpreting the rules and people can argue goaltender interference I would argue that maybe under a skate should be considered covered. If it's under anything that is preventing the puck from moving, then to me that's covered. So I think that's the piece that this whole decision hinged on is whether or not the puck, when it was under his skate, was considered loose or covered. And depending on what the NHL goes with, I can see why they made the decision they made. All other things being the same, all other rules applying, that's what it came down to. So when you're looking at goaltender interference, sometimes it is something as simple as how the league defines and applies what is considered a covered puck that makes the goal no goal call. And again, all we got was the official announcing <laughs> right. that there was no goaltender interference. But we, you've got to provide more context. You, and this kind of discussion is what we need. As you say, whether it comes from the referee on the ice at the time, whether it comes from the situation room or supervisor postgame, you have to do this. That's not fair to your fans if you're just saying, nope, no goal, everything's fine. And that's what's up on the website. There's no video, there's no photos, <laughs> right. there's no nothing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, Lalan's looking at this and seeing that, that the stick is absolutely pushing his goaltender. So we need the officials to say, yes, his stick made contact with the goaltender. This was a loose puck situation. It was under his skate, but not covered or controlled by the goaltender. So Zucker had the right to put his stick in there in an attempt to play the puck. That is incidental contact, which is legal since it was a loose puck and it's a goal. Something like that would have clarified it because you come back and you get that explanation, no goaltender interference. Everybody sees the stick poking the pad and says, well, I see goaltender interference. What are you guys looking at? So... If you don't provide that explanation, you lead people to misinterpret that you're not calling the rules correctly instead of pointing out that there are certain facts within the rule that resulted in the call being made the way it was. It's it was it was so frustrating. And even more when you get the explanation, when you break it down to say, boy, if you could have just told us this in the first place, <laughs> maybe Lalonde would have finished the game. <laughs> That's right. Maybe he would have been able to stay for the finish. That that worked out is in the end that the, the Red Wings did get the victory in the game, which I guess softens the blow a little bit. But but again, if you may not agree with the call, 
But if you understand the process, as you just well explained, and Dave Jackson tried to do as well, then you at least understand it and you can follow along better. But if you just say no goaltender interference, when clearly <laughs> he has pushed across the goal line, that doesn't wash with everybody. Right. At least tell me, tell me how that isn't goaltender interference. And I can disagree, but at least I know that you saw it. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, one more I want to get to before we we wrap up this edition. The Islanders and Capitals game, it's kind of a unique situation that went to a shootout. And of course, the Capitals chose Evgeny Kuznetsov as one of their shooters because he's deadly in the, in the shootout. But he has kind of an interesting style and some are describing it as, well, controversial or illegal or should be illegal. He picks up the puck at center, just kind of skates slowly and meanders toward the blue line and he pushes the puck across the blue line without having it on his stick, collects it again across the blue line, skates in slowly, stick handles a bunch of times and wound up putting the puck in the net. But because he's not carrying the puck across the blue line, some are wondering if this is illegal or should be illegal. It is not illegal, and I, I don't think it should be illegal. I think as long as he's not putting himself offside in this situation, and he wasn't, the puck was in the zone ahead of him, we have nothing that's going to violate anything in the NHL rulebook. Rule 24 covers penalty shots, and as long as the puck is kept in motion towards the opponent's goal line, it's legal. He can do whatever else you want in between. It's up to him. I mean, there are certain things like the spinorama that are prohibited. But outside of that, as long as that puck keeps moving towards the goal line, Kuznetsov or any other player can do really whatever they want. So no controversy, no further explanation, no review needed. It's just you don't have to touch it to have control. Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Okay. That's, uh, nicely done. That's good work.